0: We were listening to the teachings of a man called Jesus, and we had heard of him with the name of Messiah. We know he's done some miracles, but to be honest, I really never believed, and neither have they. A man stormed into the synagogue, throwing his arms around, knocking lambs over, recklessly running into people. It was like he was possessed by an evil spirit. <laughs> just crazy. And then he looked like he was going to hurt Jesus. He looked at him, turned in a direction, and he ran at him. And Jesus just stood there, unshaken, not even moving. And he said, Why do you come to destroy me? Jesus, Nazareth, leave us alone. And Jesus just stood there. And then Jesus looks at him, and he says in a big voice, Be quiet. Satan, let him go. And all of a sudden, the man just dropped. He was foaming out of his mouth. Shaking it on the ground. And then he just completely just stopped. And he was just like a normal human being. Just like you and me. And then I just... it, It was incredible. The most amazing thing I've ever seen in my life. Even the demons obey his command. I truly believe... I believe... That he is my Messiah.
1: I don't know what to say. I've bled for twelve years, and it, by Mosaic Law. And the law of my people. I am to be isolated from the rest of the world, an outcast. But then I saw him, Jesus. Oh, I've heard what he's done, I know the power he has. But I was afraid. Because of my fear, I didn't run up to him, up to his side. I didn't flag him down like the others. I just walked behind him, hoping he wouldn't see. I was so afraid he would be angry with me like everyone else. I was convinced that he would treat me like a sinner, like an outcast. I was convinced he'd reject me. And then I touched his garment. I know he's performed a miracle of miracles. I've heard of how he's made the lame walk. I've heard of how he's made the blind see. I've heard how he's healed lepers, how he's calmed a storm. And when I touched him at that moment, I was healed. How many of you, because of your fear, are frightened to come to him? How many of you are convinced that he will meet you with Judgment and condemnation. How many of you are convinced that He will reject you the way you are? Not my God. Jesus wants to heal you, Jesus wants to pour his acceptance and his approval on you. Jesus loves you and Jesus will turn around for you.
2: I sat in a jail cell with chains and shackles binding my arms and feet. Then one day this Roman soldier comes and takes me outside in front of the Jews and stands me next to this guy named Jesus. Then Pontius Pilate says, he's gonna let one of us go. At that moment, a million thoughts flood my head. What chance do I have? I'm a crook, I'm a thief, I'm a murderer. I'm a waste and Jesus, All I've ever heard about him is he's the son of the living God. What am I compared to him? I'm the rightful prisoner. I deserve death row. I deserve the shackles and I deserve the chains. And I deserve the crucifixion. Jesus, all I've ever heard from him is how he restores and delivers. I'm dead by sunrise. And as I'm standing there, in the, inside my thoughts, Pilate interrupts him when he asks the Jews, Who do you want? And I ready myself to be led back to that cold jail cell. And I can't believe my ears when I start to hear my name. Give us Barabbas! Yeah, give us Barabbas! The Roman soldier comes over, lets my hands go, takes off the chains. I go and see my friends. We're going to celebrate the people let me go. As I'm standing there, can't believe that I escaped death, I glance back at Jesus. I start to question everything. Why would the people let me go? Why would they choose me? Was it the people that let me go? Or was it God? Would God love somebody like me? I'm a rebel, a murderer, criminal. Could God love love somebody like me? Is there a God out there that has a love so scandalous, so deep and so wide, so welcoming, so inclusive, that he could love me? And as I stand there, a free man. The Roman soldiers come over and they take Jesus. And they start whipping him over and over and over The whole time, the Jews are shouting, crucify him. And in a moment, our eyes meet. And he looks at me as if to say, go, son. Go live your life. I got this. I'll pay your price. And at that moment, I knew it. God knew that he had to treat Jesus like me. So one day he could treat me like Jesus.
3: I remember going into the city to celebrate Passover, and they were leading him out as a sort of Passover lamb. I didn't understand that. And when I got to Jerusalem, it wasn't at all what I expected. I mean, there were so many people, and they all seemed so angry. Like these mobs of angry people. And then out of nowhere, this guard, he, he ripped me from the crowd. I mean, he literally pulled me from the crowd. He told me that I would have to carry this man's cross. I remember saying to myself, Simon, if you get this guy's blood on you, you can't celebrate Passover. And that was the whole reason I was there. It was hard to see the man through all the blood. But then our eyes met. And I knew that this man wasn't someone who was crazy and filled with lavish ideas. This man wasn't a liar. But this man was the Messiah. So I helped him carry his cross. I tried to. It's Jesus, so he carried most of it. heard them screaming insults at him. And now me. I felt his blood running down my arm. They had put a crown of thorns on his head and smashed it into his skull. The blood was dripping down his eyes and into his mouth. Then they grabbed him and they threw him on top of the cross. And they began driving the spikes into his hands and into his feet. And they stood the cross up so that all the weight was on that one spike. And Je- Jesus would, would push with all of his might so he could breathe. I couldn't watch. I mean, he did that for so long. remember looking at my hands bloody realizing the blood I thought would make me dirty is what makes me clean Jesus pushed up one last time he breathed his last breath and he died And that was the day that I helped Jesus carry. That was the day I helped Jesus carry my cross. He hung and bled and died on my cross.
4: you bow with me? I want to say a three-word prayer, and then I want to ask you to repeat that prayer with me. Very simply, thank you, Jesus. Repeat it with me. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. In Mark chapter 15, the story of that first Good Friday is told. It begins in the Roman palace as Jesus stands in front of a coward, Pilate, who refused to offer justice or even mercy. It continues as the soldiers under Pilate's charge brutally beat, mock, and mutilate King Jesus. Up the hill called Golgotha with a cross too heavy to bear walks Jesus. Every step is a struggle with agony. When he arrives, the cross is laid on the ground, the spikes are driven through his appendages as he becomes Savior of the world. The cross is placed into a hole and he hangs there as a common criminal for all the world to see. His breathing is labored. His blood pours from his scalp where someone had mockingly placed a crown of thorns. He breathes And he speaks in a whisper. He has an encounter with a thief on his left and on his right. And in those moments, we see a picture of all who would reject him and all who would receive him. And he spoke a word of great encouragement and joy to the one on his right. hear what he said today you will be with me in paradise at some point the pain became so great that Jesus cried out as if screaming into heaven my God my God why have you forsaken And then finally, his death groan. It's finished. It's finished. Everything that I've come to do has been accomplished. It's finished. So there are a couple of questions that come screaming to my mind from this story. The first is, who's responsible? Who caused this to happen? Why did it have to be this way? Because it's not a story that any of us ever wanted to hear. It's gruesome. It's painful. And if you've got a soul within you, it's heart-wrenching. It's not a story we ever wanted to hear. So who's responsible? What about the Pharisees? From the moment Jesus began his ministry, those who were the leaders of the church, those who said, Here's how you get to God, were his sworn enemies. Almost immediately, they began to plan his demise, and every trick that they tried failed. And eventually, they said to one another, We're going to have to put this man to death. It was their scheme hatched in the, Mount, in the Garden of Gethsemane, the Mount of Olives, that led to Jesus' arrest and this moment of crucifixion. But no Pharisee ever had the power to crucify Jesus. Maybe it was Pilate. He certainly had the power to stop it all. Didn't he? But he chose not to. He did not want to stir the people up against his reign. He protected his power and lost his salvation. But Pilate, though a governor, had no power to kill the king of kings. Perhaps it was the soldiers. They did the work. They carried out the sentence. They were the hands-on guys. Could it be said that these soldiers are responsible for the death of our Lord? Though they were powerful, forceful, men among men, these Roman soldiers Couldn't even keep him in the grave. What about the crowd? All of us have been in a crowd that turned bad. A mob, a bunch of renegades, and the crowd shouting while down in the valley for Barabbas' release and later for Jesus' crucifixion. Can you hear them over and over again? Crucify him! Crucify him! Crucify. They mocked him, laughed at him, spat upon him, in some strange way seemed to take enjoyment as they watched him die. There were more angels watching the cross that day than there were in that crowd. And so their chants and their cries and their will forced upon the situation really had nothing to do with Jesus' death. I've heard many sermons where the preacher would stop and he'd point to the crowd and he'd say, You hung Jesus on that cross. I hung Jesus on that cross. As surely as we were there, we had a part in crucify him. Crucifying him, the sermon would go, and the shame and the guilt of our sin that caused Jesus to climb the cross would weigh heavy. Though we were recipients of his grace, and though our sins are many, you and I did not cause Jesus to die. You can say, if you'd like. Romans 8:32 says, He who did not spare his own son, but gave him as the ransom for many. And in that verse lies the answer. You see, God and God alone is responsible for the crucifixion. God and God alone is responsible for the redemption of mankind. Because of our iniquity, because of our missteps, because of our rebellion... God had a choice to make. Will I save my son? Or will I save mankind? And God chose you. God chose you. You see, nothing happened that day from beginning to the end Nothing happened that day that hadn't been orchestrated in the heart and the mind of God centuries before. Nothing happened that day that wasn't ordained from the moment Christ entered the world as a baby. Nothing happened that day that God didn't plan because His heart has always been for His children. And He loved you enough to allow this terrible tragedy to occur. So how do we respond in our encounter with the cross tonight? See, there are several ways that those of you who've gathered here tonight to hear the story might choose to react. There are some of you tonight who will be just as cold as some in the crowd, and you'll look at the cross, and, and without even giving it a second thought, you'll reject the notion that Jesus had you in mind when he climbed that cross. You'll reject his gift of salvation. You'll reject ultimate love. Others of you will be pretty tough on yourself, and you will rebuke yourself guilt yourself feel shamed. feel sorry that it had to happen feel sorry that it is a connection to your sin and hopefully the thought of the cross will bring about change and some of us tonight as strange as it may sound we'll see this as a night of praise and thanksgiving, and we will rejoice because it has penetrated our stubborn minds and our shallow hearts that God must really love us. And we rejoice. And others of us tonight will claim redemption. In a few moments, you'll come and you'll stand before this cross your heart will be moved and you'll say God wash me clean I need that tonight redeem me refresh my spirit and you'll walk away on this night when it's hard to remember because the price of the cross you'll walk away changed There's another and final response, I think. Some of you will feel responsible. Now, I've already said you're not responsible for the cross, but you are responsible to make sure that those who don't know hear the truth. And I hope you'll leave this place with your spirit refreshed, with your joy intact, and with a great, desire to be contagious about the story of Jesus and you'll go and you'll come back Saturday evening or Sunday with someone who needs to know that somebody died for them and then rose again I hope you'll take that responsibility serious because you can't look at the cross and not deal with that story You can't wear a cross around your neck or hang one on your wall and not occasionally remember what it cost Jesus and why he did it so that the world, your neighbors, your friends, your family, those you love, those you barely know, so that the world could experience redemption. There's a responsibility that comes with knowing that story. You see, from A to Z, every one of us will react, will respond, and will leave this place with new hope. But you can't ignore or rationalize the cross. It's reality. It is the bridge between you and your God. And you have to come to grips with what it means in your life. You have to have an encounter with Jesus. You can't escape here feeling nothing. It's too powerful. It's too pervasive. It's too pronounced. You can't escape here and feel nothing. Would you bow your heads? Close your eyes. Father, in this time when we begin to share in Your broken body and Your blood, in this time when we come to the cross, plant in our heart and in our minds truth. Plant in our hearts and minds A desire to be more deeply connected and more deeply grateful. A desire to know where we'll spend eternity and a desire to take people with us to your heaven. Plant within our hearts and minds the same kind of love that drove you to the cross. In Jesus' name. I want you to listen very carefully because we're going to take communion tonight in a very specific way. We're going to begin with the front rows here on my right and left, and you're going to come towards the middle and up these steps, be given the cup and the bread on your way. And then I want you to come and stand in front of the cross. And when you arrive there and only after you've arrived there do I want you to partake and as you partake and as you stare at that cross you do what God tells you to do there's no proper response it can be anything from shouting glory to kneeling and praying you do what God tells you to do come with your family come with your friends come alone, but come see Jesus and be truthful to Him and allow what He's done for you to penetrate your heart. Let's stand.